You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, who has not been on in a while, but we're super excited to have her back, is J.M. Paquette. And our guest today is Jay Thomas. Woo! I had I had the woo Jay welcome because I think they got a laugh track they should I don't know my producer thank you for having me guys yeah absolutely okay let's talk about what we're drinking so out of um drinking with author swag Jay you get some of this for being on the podcast I am actually drinking a gin and tonic that has cucumber lime tonic in it I feel very fancy out of my solo cup drinking that. The other thing I'm doing, which I haven't talked about this before, but I got one of these life straw bottles. I don't know if you've heard of these, but it's the straw where you can go put it in any dirty, yucky water in the entire world and it filters the water for you. And mm-hmm. these are the life straws they send to other countries and stuff like that. But what's really neat is I take this traveling. So I just empty it out and I can get water literally anywhere when I'm traveling. So I have my life straw bottle. Look at that. They didn't even pay me for that, but I thought it was an <laughs> interesting way to save the world. Life straw, you should pay me for that. Just kidding. Okay. To contact yeah. them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Somebody immediately write them an email. Um, mm-hmm. Jen, what are you drinking? I'm boring, so I am drinking chamomile tea. I'm fancy as well, just in a very different way, but I can't drink alcohol, so. Yes, for a refresher for those listening that maybe have not heard her before, she's allergic so it's fun. Allergic to sunlight and alcohol. So she's basically a vampire with no perks. And um, the designated she, driver. Yes, that's true. That's worked <laughs> out very, very fruitfully for me in the past. Um, Jay, what are you drinking? So I have a classy red wine uh, blend uh, here. I actually, and this is a plug that my in-laws will be very happy about. They actually make their own wine. So what? I have the bottle right here. Yeah, they, they make their own wine. They import the grapes from Italy. And uh, every fall, they get together, big gathering, and they uh, smash the grapes and bottle the wine. And then it ferments and sits uh, for about a year. And then it, every every year, we uh, unpackage it and uh, have a couple of glasses. So um, that's what I'm drinking tonight. It's actually very, very great because there's no sulfites in it. So you could actually drink this. And you don't really get hung over, which is very nice. Well, that is a brilliant proposition. I'm a thousand percent behind that. And that sounds like so what a fun way to do a family gathering, though. That's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, they, they started doing it during COVID and, and everybody loves it. So they just have kept doing it since. I think it's great. I need to I need to learn to make my own wine. I wouldn't do that, but I would love to say that I I did and I just yeah. know myself. I'd be like, oh, this is so much work. Can somebody just send me a bottle? <laughs> okay, so what's, so the, what's the oh, name uh, of the wine? Plug oh. it. What is it? Yeah, yeah. So the uh the name of the wine, this is RR Cellars, and then the wine at the bottom is Rooney Red Blend. They uh it's 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 more of a uh, just plug because they're gonna love it, but they don't actually sell it, so they just it's really more of a family thing. Um, but so people could just any, be jealous. Yeah, exactly. 
but I uh, I could definitely send you guys a bottle because it's fantastic. Oh my goodness, yes, yes, send me a bottle. <laughs> Not Jen, she can't drink it. If you're going to send us each one, you yeah. can send a bottle to me. I'll hold it for I'll her. It's fine. She's it's got fine. it. <laughs> so Jay, for the world at large here, what do you write? So I write uh, fantasy. That's my um, project that I just published back in June. Um, it's fantasy sci-fi. I actually uh, published uh, back in June, and I just finished up the second book in the series as well um, that we plan on releasing uh, springtime of 2022, and it's going to be the second book in the series, uh, The Unifier. Very cool. You mean 2023, right? 2023. Yep. It's That's still okay. very early in the if year. If you've got time traveling down to a science, we need to talk, but not live on a show. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few things I'd like to fix from back then, but that's oh, fine. Yeah. Talk about that off the show. So um, I am assuming, so this was your first novel you've ever published? That's correct. Okay. Is this the first story you've ever published? Yes. So I've actually been writing since I was 12 years old. Um, I had a bunch of different projects that I did over the years through high school and college. And I actually wrote this first uh, book that is now published as a screenplay initially. And uh, when my daughter was born last year, um, I converted it over to a book. Um, didn't really think much of it. I always had written, but it was my wife who really pushed me um, to, you know, get it out there and see if there was potential. And you know, one thing led to another and, you know, God willing, thankfully everything worked out and I got some serious interest from the publisher that I'm working with right now. And everything's been great since. That is really awesome. And that's, uh, so that's fantastic, by the way, and congratulations. Um, just publishing a book to me, whether you self-publish or you have a publisher, high fives, the amount of people that I talk to that say, oh, I'm going to write a book versus how many people actually write a book. There's a, a great, there's a great percentage difference between sure. those two things, you know? Um, so that is fantastic. Uh, what made you decide sci-fi fantasy? What made you decide to go down that route? Please tell me you're a nerd. Ooh. Oh yeah, I'm definitely a nerd. I've been, I mean, my dad got me into Star Wars when I was five years old and then not long after I got into Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I mean, you name it. I, I've read uh, all the Frank Herbert Dune books, um, fell in love with Stephen King, George R. R. Martin. I mean, all of those guys I have an, had an absolute obsession with since I was young. Very, very cool. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, did you read Fairy Tale yet? I have not. The new Stephen King? I was going to ask your yeah. thoughts on it, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to read that then. I'll, we'll have to talk about it after. Mm -hmm, definitely. So um, uh, in terms, can I ask Stephen King wise, like what, uh, which one of his is appeals to you? Like, are you a dark tower person? Are you a, are you a carry person? Like, so I have always been a fan of the shining. That was the first one I read from him. And I followed it even in detail um, about, I always had a, a funny thing with how he hated the movie and he put so much work into the book. And I mean, the book, I mean, if I'm, I don't know if you've read it, but obviously it's ex exceptionally long. And I just loved that, you know, he put so much work into this and I just I kind of always had that obsession that if I were 
given the opportunity, you know, in the next couple of years as I develop my, you know, career and had the opportunity to work on a, on a screenplay adaptation, I would want to maintain the creative control of the movie just because um, it, it's, I mean, you see it all the time now. I mean, there's been mixed reviews with Dune as well. Um, I've always had that fascination with, um, you know, the, the writers that take their projects to the big screen and how it, you know, converts over. So. Well, if you can do it, I think it's great. I think a lot of times um, people don't realize the amount of exposition that one has in a novel that's needed in a novel because you're building a world that people have to not get to see. I I talk about this a lot on the show because I write screenplays as well. I've written play plays. I've written screenplays. And one of the biggest problems is we have a lot of exposition and we have a lot of characters in a book because we can. We have hundreds of pages in which to give this information out. And if you've written a screenplay, then you know, like you have yeah. 120 pages, but if you really shrink that down to the actual dialogue, you maybe got like 30 pages of true dialogue, <laughs> all, you know what I mean? So you have to always, and it's great, I think, when you're able to do that. I think it's fantastic. I actually don't believe all authors are able to do that. And we had um, a host that had said that if you treat the movie like it's fan fiction to the book, you you are in a much better place. If you're trying to get them to do the book as a movie, then first of all, you can never do a book as a movie. You can do a book as a longer TV show and something like that or a series, but you can never, you'll never encapsulate a movie, a book in a movie unless it's really, really tiny. Or if you're Peter Jackson and take a really, really tiny book and make it into three movies, you know, one or the other. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And it's uh, it's also, that's, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, it's Um, okay. Go. It's your podcast. I I think it's it's specifically interesting too. I mean, you've seen, you know, the same work with George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones and I mean, obviously that those books are of an exceptional length too. And I think it was done very well, especially, you know, the first couple seasons and then obviously into the later seasons. I don't know if you follow. We don't it, talk about what happens in season seven or eight on this podcast. I don't. Yep. <laughs> that's actually how I feel very strongly. I, my friends know not to bring it up because it usually goes off onto an hour and a half tangent on what went wrong. <laughs> with the last two seasons oh yeah no i i black out rage when i i actually stopped watching it because some of the stuff in season six and stuff i was like where the hell are they going i'll tell you my only vindication though and i've said this before is that they had a star wars series and it got taken away from them after what they did with the eighth season so i was like yeah Yeah, yeah. screw you That, that that's how I feel with uh, Star Wars, uh, the eighth episode with uh, Rian Johnson directing it, and he had a a trilogy, and they butchered the eighth movie so badly. If I'm sorry, if I'm going to step on any toes here, but the eighth movie was terrible, and they canceled his trilogy because of it. No, it, it, it you know what's interesting about Star Wars. Again, I'm a huge Star Wars. I was at actually the premiere of Star Wars at the Chinese Man Theater when I was three years old with my dad. I have a picture. Before anybody knew what the hell it was and Chewbacca and everybody were out there doing things like. So what I think the problem with Star Wars was is they decided to take the bad guy and the bad situation 
And in the movies, they made, they could get away with redoing the Death Star and Jedi. Like, I get it. Like, we all fell along and we went, okay, here's the Emperor, whatever crap, right? Yeah. But then they did it again. And they're like, okay, we're going to keep, and I'm like, no, this is, you have to come up with something new. Like, time has to have passed and now there's a new bad guy on the forefront. But you can't be keep making big circular things that have some weird (laughs) thing that they could be blown up from a garbage chute or some shit. Like, you got to stop doing that. And they, they didn't stop doing that so that is the, what are you going to say jen the look on no, your face no i <laughs> i like everything so i'm the wrong person to talk about it but i think that there is something to that idea that yes it just keeps happening like no matter how much you try and how many good guys you have fighting against evil it still comes back in in whatever form like you never I, never die yeah, fighting the good fight i'm saying new form that's all i'm I, saying i, I can Not understand that but form. also sometimes the same form Sometimes okay. you know in multiple to Je- movies. To Jen's point, word. to Jen's point, the the famous saying "history repeats itself." I, right. if we want to apply that there, potentially that's where the fit is. Wow. I, I know I'm terrible because I like all the things. Yeah, no, she does like all the things, and she's super nice and all of that stuff. But it's funny when you get her really upset about something, then it's like watching like an angry kid go for the jugular on stuff. Okay, so you did the first book. How long is is the series that you're trying to do? Is it a trilogy? Um, I'm actually, so initially when I first started developing the entire story, I thought it was going to be a trilogy. Um when I had finished the second book, the idea for the the whole world has kind of, I mean, you you know, you know, when you write something, it kind of evolves over time, especially mm-hmm. as you get through. Now I'm at the point where I could for easily foresee past the trilogy. It's probably going to be five or six books total, um, all said and done. Well, if people keep wanting you to write them, that's a completely different story as well. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to walk away. And plus, then you have all the little spin-off novels and stuff like that. So do do you um, have a world like a world building book where you keep notes and keep track as you build things? Yes. Yeah. So I have a very, very detailed um basically it's you know, as a manuscript right now, and it's it's very obviously rough at the point. I haven't really went into strictly developing it. Um, as far as the first book though, um, each chapter, when I go through the first book, there is about a page of, uh, I take uh, you know a hypothetical scroll from the world and the scroll actually tells uh, stories about the world. That's and cool. in addition, yeah, it, it actually relates to the chapter. When you read the chapter, you can go back and you could actually see the relation of the the events and the the story that I'm crafting in that that beginning piece of the chapter. Um, I am especially paying attention to that because I want to develop that at some point into like a completely separate, almost like, you know, textbook or encyclopedia for the world. Like the Tales of Beetle Bard, if you're J.K. Rowling, you know, like where you take Correct. the stories in the world. Yeah. Or it, it made me think of Dune because Dune starts with those little like her comments. Exactly. And then, you know, yeah. That's, that's where I got framework. the inspiration from. I, I had that. That's cool. I, I never caught up with the stuff in Dune, though. All those little things she said. I'm like, OK, I just have to ignore it. Give, give me back to more Dune. Dune. <laughs> yes. Like, it's crazy. So if you've been writing since you were 12, 
what made you finally decide to go, I'm, I'm really doing this. I'm going to actually make it happen. So uh, it was really the birth of my first daughter uh, last year that really kind of propelled me um, into, you know, pursuing this. Um, I mean, my wife, since we've been together, she had pushed me, you know, to continue writing. And when my daughter was born, I was kind of faced with the point that I've always had this passion and to be a role model to her is, you know, for me to kind of practice what I preach and that's pursuing my dream. And um, I wanted to be a good role model for her. And in that sense, I wanted to pursue my own dream that I've always had. Um, so, you know, I could, you know, educate the same thing to her as she grows up. Oh, that's very cool. Look how sweet that is. <laughs> that's adorable. I think that's awesome. Um, Thank you. So how quickly, so you said you, the first one was a screenplay. How long did it take you from the beginning of it to get it to a novel? Like when you actually moved it, because the screenplay, which is great, as we just yeah. discussed, is not that many pages of a novel when you go. To correct. It, you know, yep. so. <laughs> yeah. So it was probably about start to finish. Cause I had, I had, you know, for the most part, um, some of the, uh, story kind of crafted into so when I wrote the screenplay I also did world building for the screenplay so I had some rough you know drafts kind of nothing formal though um, start to finish from screenplay to the first draft being finished of the book it was about four months start to finish wow so you are yeah. going to be a very fast writer well done with that <laughs> what about book two how long did that one take you uh, book two was about, I'd say six months, because that, that one's a, a bit longer. And um, I actually, when I wrote the second book, I had a newfound appreciation for people that write sequels, uh, due to the fact that when you're writing the second one, there's so much continuity that has to be kept into place, characters in different places, story, you know, history of the world beforehand, that I actually, while I was sitting down and writing this, I was like, I really appreciate people that put out good sequels because it's exceptionally hard to do when you're writing it yourself. Oh, I agree a thousand percent. Um, that is why I absolutely do not write fantasy and science fiction. You are welcome. It will incorporate some fantastical and sci-fi things in my horror, but nothing yeah. one told me to because of that exact reason. Yeah. World, <laughs> world building takes so much, you know, um, to, to do and to keep, so how do you keep track of it? What, what method did you decide to keep track of your epic, fantastical world, all these scrolls? Yep. So I have a, I probably about 15 to 20 separate Google docs, uh, and my own head is very organized, but if somebody saw it, they'd probably think I'm a crazy person. Uh, <laughs> I also have a board of, uh, characters, uh, you know, in my apartment that has all the characters, uh, listed. It's kind of a general timeline too that I look at for visual help while I write to, you know, kind of gauge exactly where the characters are and uh, where the world is at. Because the world's actually constantly changing as well. Um, and you'll, more of that is evident in the second one too, where um, there's new, you know, areas of the world that they're discovering. And, um, you know, the, the world that they live in is very chaotic, constantly changing. The environment's kind of always pushing on the characters to make adjustments and changes, whether it be where they are um, exactly at that time. So it is a constantly changing uh, machine for uh, this story. Where, where did the story come from? 
over time, I guess it was just really different influences from, I would probably say from, you know, just my, my experience into different fantasy over time. I always had uh, this kind of rough idea that if you trace back to probably the first screenplay I wrote when I was 13 years old, um, some of the really core elements probably stemmed from there. Um, over time, I would say just developed from, you know, different things I've seen and encountered, you know, over the years. Did you, were you ever a gamer? Yes. Yes. Okay. Still am. My wife doesn't yes. like that, but yes. <laughs> no, I, it, it never just, goes away. It never goes away. It doesn't. No. We, uh, one of uh, Jen's series is based on a D&D campaign that we had okay. in a character. Yeah. No, I know. I was written into it. It's That's such fantastic. a fabulous representation of myself. I put you in a book. <laughs> You did. You absolutely did. And especially when I realized I was in the book, because I called her when I was reading it and was like, <laughs> wait, is this me? And she's like, yeah, you're kind of the hero of the story. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I'm absolutely not the hero of my story. I appreciate that. It's good. Um, it's all good. It's, it is all good. Okay. You, We're gonna have you, oh, you ask a question and then we'll take a break after your okay. after question. I was going to ask, have you done that? Have you put people you know in your story? So I have not actually done that, but it's funny because my friends constantly hound me about writing them into the second and third book. And like, it's fine. Just write me in. You could kill me off. You know, just give me a couple chapters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take that under consideration. Mm -hmm. Just start putting random people like the guy that helps you, you know, at the bar or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, there you go. There's your cameo. Well, I think that as, as authors, we tend to get inspired, whether we realize it or not, by the people around us, by yeah. whatever's happening, but actually, you know, fully placing somebody in the novel to where they could recognize themselves, hypothetically speaking, that actually happened to me in real life, um, is a different story. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a great, um, you know, it's an honor to have that happen, but I think it's also interesting because you want to do justice by them and your perception of them and their perception of them may be very different. Mm -hmm. in, in Jen's case, they weren't very different. It's an accurate <laughs> representation, but it's, it's fine. Whether you it's like fine. it or not. Yeah, no, uh, no, it's fine. She's a bitch. It's a cleric. It's a cleric <laughs> in the book and she's horrible. She but... is perfect for what we all need her to do. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Drinking With Authors. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. Um, but first, let's talk nerdy. Clink. Clink on the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. We're back. We're back with Jay. So you're hoping to um, release in spring of 2023. What is your goal writing-wise? How many books would you like to get out? Uh, ideally, I, I want it to be five or six uh, books in the entire series. Um, I actually have thoughts as well for, like you said before, some of the spinoffs um, as well as far as definitely one book taking place before the entire main uh, storyline begins. And it kind of gives a lot of, um, you know, story and 
um, kind of plot onto how the world actually got to where it is, uh, because the book actually takes place in the 12th millennia, and that is well into the future, and obviously a lot has changed, and it doesn't really accurately uh, represent, you know, what our world looks like right now. So um, it's really important that this spinoff that I want to probably incorporate at some point um, give some, you know, accurate depiction of what actually happened to get the world to where it is right now. So have you had the character, I got to ask this, because this is what ends up happening. And I think it's important with spinoffs, right? Is sure. um, the reader feedback, because there's going to be characters that you're, you're not even aware of that these readers fall madly in love with, that are not necessarily the characters or the plot line that you thought they would fall madly in love with. Yeah. I always call it God the Barista that uses a plot device to get from whatever barn to this thing. You know, you're like, you're like, this person sold them horses at this inn, right? And then all of a sudden, whoever that person was is like your reader's favorite character and they want to hear more yeah. about Marcus the innkeep. <laughs> so have you encountered this yet? Yeah, I actually have. I had... Um... One of my close friends who was one of the first to actually read the book about halfway through, he sent me a text. He's like, oh, I really, really, really love this character. Um, you know, I, he's like, I know he's not a main character, but I just love, you know, his his uh, role in the story. And then sure enough, without even saying the character's name, I don't want to spoil it. The character dies at the end and he sends me a text. He's like, how could you do that? This guy was so essential to the story. He's like, I don't I don't know if I could read the second one now. And now that he's not in it. And uh, it's funny because I had that very, very immediate from the release when I first started having people read it. So have you done in-person events yet with readers? Have you had readers? Have you done in-person events is, I guess, the first question. No, no, I have not. I have actually a book signing um, in the next uh, month or two. They're trying to pencil down a date. And I actually have a uh, close family member who um, is a principal at a middle school. And he wants to um, have some of the students in, in different classes read it and then have me come in. And that's going to be, that's supposedly going to be a really big event. And um, I already feel the anxiety building for that, but I'm very excited because I think that'll be really cool to, uh, you know, meet that many, you know, kids who read the book and hopefully potentially love it and to really interact with them and get their thoughts on it. Well, keep in mind when you walk in there, you're a celebrity. And that's how they're yeah. going to be too. I mean, it's it's weird, but you'll see that as you start doing more and more in-person events is, um, especially because of your genre, you get now a great excuse to go to conventions, for the record. Yeah. Uh, and, and have booths at conventions. But yes, um, you'll find, I think, that uh, the people who are coming up to the table have a reaction to you because you're a celebrity to them. You're this yeah. creator of this world to them. And, you know, oh my gosh, you're an author, you're all this stuff. And we don't think of ourselves that way when we're sitting at the tables and, yeah, you know, exactly. interacting. We're like, I'm so glad you liked my book. But they're like, oh my God, I got to be yeah. <laughs> you know, like, It's like that reaction to the yeah. situation. So I think it'll be fun when you have that. And also when you start having a lot more feedback on the characters. So be careful about killing more and more of them off because yeah. <laughs> George R. R. Martin. Um, you end up with a situation when it does go to TV or movie where they're going to be like, yeah, we're not killing that character that you killed off. Yeah. You know, yeah. We appreciate <laughs> that you want to do that, but we're bringing them back. 
you know, yeah. um, that's going to happen because we can't let you just kill off Bob the barista. We need Bob the barista yeah. back <laughs> as a plot device in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, all these things, um, are you looking to put out one book a year? Yes, that's going to be my, that's my goal as of right now. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, and so have you, how do you find time to do your writing? Like, what is your writing so, so I have I have a, you have a uh, tiny child in your house so that's why I'm yeah I'm wondering if you pulled yep. off six months so yeah the the, de- the definition of a uh, jam-packed schedule um, I, I work nine to five I get home um, about six o'clock I have about a 45 minute to an hour commute home and then when I get home I eat dinner with my wife feed my uh, my child give her a bath and then I put I put her to bed and then I hang out with my wife for a little bit and most of my writing is done from nine to one in the morning and I, I'm very disciplined with it I work out in the morning so I have time at night and um, it's weekends I could hopefully you know pick up some more time depending you know on what's going on but um, discipline is key for me because if I if I didn't if I wasn't disciplined and I didn't have this allotted time that I you know commit um, I would, yeah, I would struggle to get done in any sort of, you know, simple manner of time. It would be, uh, a lot longer than anticipated. No, I trust. I understand that. I think one of the biggest things you have to be as an author is disciplined because yeah. you'll never get the writing down there. It's one of the easiest things to push by the wayside, Yeah, you know, 100%. especially, um, if you're not under huge deadlines all the time, you know? you you look at like movies like stranger than fiction where they sent queen latifah to go get the manuscript from emma thompson love that movie by the way books completely different but um you see that you know the big publisher sent somebody to get the manuscript right we don't we don't have that we have whatever deadline we're setting for ourselves um so you are uh traditionally published then you found a publisher you did the whole i hybrid hybrid yeah yeah i uh, like i said when i uh first started um you know my search for for publishing uh creative control uh for the potential of a you know screenplay down the road was essential for me and i didn't want to um you know pursue the traditional route if it was gonna you know forfeit a lot of my rights as far as the book goes you know to an eventual screenplay adaptation. Uh, so a hybrid publisher I thought was perfect. Um, you know, I, I really liked that I was able to maintain the, you know, ancillary rights and and keep control of the book because if it ever got to that point, um, you know, which would really be, a, you know, a beautiful thing, um, I definitely wanted to have that control. No, I, and that makes sense. How come you didn't go the self-published route? Um, big thing was I had a lot on my plate at the time because I had a newborn. So self-published, I felt like would have been too much for me. And I, I loved what my publisher did for me in the sense where they took a lot of the, you know, logistics of publishing off the table. They, you know, were able to, you know, obviously they had the infrastructure, they had the framework exactly how to get this, you know, to the shelves and a marketing, you know, plan in place for after the release. So I did like the blend between traditional and self and I thought that was just a perfect fit for me. No, that's very cool. I think it can be a great fit for people, especially as yeah. you're going new into this. There's a lot to know and there's a lot to marketing. 
Like I'm Definitely. sure you've discovered that you absolutely cannot be like, look, I put the book out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> sit back and wait. You don't have that option of sitting back to wait to see yeah. your beautiful butterfly come out of its chrysalis. It's, it takes some work to do that. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. So how, go ahead. I was going to say, so how are you with social media? Do you, do you post? Where can, where can we find you? Well, that's yeah, the so idea. my, well, I have, <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. I have all pages. I, my, uh, marketing team from the publisher set up all those accounts. They do post very regularly, okay. uh, which is very nice to have as well. That's, very important because I simply don't have the time in the day to continue writing and also take care of my responsibilities. So uh, they've been an exceptional help with that, thankfully. Um, so I've, across all of those platforms, I am on and actively engaging. That's good. Very, very cool. What have you found as far as um, now that you're an author, what was it like when you first got that book in your hand? The most surreal experience, the fact that when I first got that 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 first copy, I, I didn't even believe it, especially when, when I first got it, I opened up the box and I flipped over and I just see my face on the back of the cover. I'm like, that's very strange. I don't even want to look at that right now. And um, it was even more strange when the first time I had, um, and this was too, like you said before about the whole, you know, celebrity experience. I was down at the uh, docks because my family does boating. My in-laws do a lot of boating. So I was down by the docks and one of the younger kids taps me on the shoulder and is holding my book in his hand. And he's like, can you sign this? And I was like, that was the most incredible experience where I was like, yeah, sure, definitely. <laughs> and it, it took me a second to really process what was actually happening in front of me. And um, it's, it's really a an exceptional feeling to, to see the, you know, the hardcover in front of me. What about when you came up with your signature? Because <laughs> this is something I, I think a lot of authors do not yeah. plan on, oh, wait, I need to sign books. So what is my yeah. signature going to be? Am I going to do a little message? Like what is going to happen? Yeah, my, uh, my signature has always been uh, similar to a doctor, which is very like chicken scratchy. Um, it... I made sure that when I was crafting the signature that it's at, at least legible that you're seeing the two uh, initials. So you definitely clearly see a J and a T, but the rest is more of a scribble. And um, I was just like, oh, this is going to have to work if, uh, if um, you know, I, I need to make this at least somewhat unique. So have you come up with a little phrase that you put at the top of your signature or anything like that? No, I haven't done a phrase. That's actually a, a novel idea. I haven't thought about. Oh, you got to come up with a couple phrases that you alternate when you're signing books. Like, yeah, you know, if you're Spock, you put long and prosper. Like, I do hashtag team, and I the book one I sign team Rory. Book two I sign team Cloud, and because I do love triangles. Yeah, and then I alternate on book three to you know who who it is. So that's oh, I what love I do. That. That's yeah, a good I, idea. I, I usually I, write. Have to I, think I, of this. I hope you don't sleep well tonight. And then, I, <laughs> you know, uh, it, so I think it's always, it's just a thought, but to put a little message because some people want it personalized. Some people don't. I always think it's funny when in like little libraries and stuff, you find personalized books. And I was going, how the hell did that get there? You know, yeah. like, like, what was that? With all my See, love to you, Susan. And Susan was like, uh, no. <laughs> so I'm going to return that. <laughs> 
They're like, yeah, I didn't like it. Thanks. Yeah. What were you gonna ask? No, I was gonna say that it it I had a couple of things that have already come to mind now that you said this about about the the little phrase under because initially when you said it, I'm like I had thoughts ran to my head and there's actually a couple of different phrases in the story that are repeated that I think I have a new uh, phrase that I get to attach to my signature now. Woo, look at the difference we've made in look the world. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll be exciting. Have you done any panels yet? Have you done any like talking to a large audience yet about your book? No, no large audiences. I, I have appeared on two other um, podcasts, which my first one was very, very nerve wracking because I never did anything like this before. Um, I always love having conversations with people one-on-one, -on -one, but a larger platform, I've um, never really had that much of an experience. I don't mind public speaking. Um, I just never really in the situation much to engage like that, but I yeah. would definitely like the opportunity at some point because one, I think, you know, talking to a, a large audience first says great things that I'm doing the right thing, that I have an audience that actually wants to hear about what I'm saying. Um, but two, I think it would be a really cool experience. Have you applied for DragonCon? No. It's open right now for authors and stuff like that. You should. Professionals. Yeah. Professionals application. It's open. That's a whole experience because if you go, they'll put you on all these different panels and stuff like that. And then yeah. you get like real crash course of live and in person with a bunch of other nerds. One yeah. of the best things ever. Yeah. So I have to apply we, for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gone to Dragon Con like eight times, but we actually were professionals, me and Jam, last year. And it was a lot of fun. The last day I was there, I got to do an entire panel on Ryan Reynolds. It was amazing. That's that's great. <laughs> so much fun. But it is a lot of fun when you get to do panels. I really suggest doing that and looking at the different conferences. And when you go to a convention, even in Artist Alley, reach out to them and say, hey, I'm an author, I'm willing to do panels. Because sometimes they don't know that people yeah. are willing to do panels. Even if you have an Artist Alley table where you're selling books, you can let them know you're there and you're willing to do a panel because it gives you, I will tell you, you'll get so many more sales when you do a panel and then you know people are in there, they're gonna come right to your table and buy your book. Like Definitely. That's, that's how it works, which is, a, it's a ton of fun, but it, it definitely can get interesting depending on who's on the panel with you. And if somebody's yeah. moderating or if you're moderating yourself. So there's lots <laughs> of scenarios for you to be prepared for. Hopefully we're not scaring yeah. you, but be No, prepared. no, I love all this. I, I appreciate all this information. It's really helpful. And you get to have good conversations one-on-one -on -one with people too. And you're surrounded by other nerds, which is awesome. So Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, it's true. So um, you like the shining, right? What did you think of the, the um, and you mentioned, um, oh my God, using my words, Jin, 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 Jin. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the movie adaptations, part of the reason you want to have controlling interest in your moving adaptations. I'm assuming right. both versions of the shining you did not enjoy versus the book. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I... I really actually thought that um, Dr. Sleep was was a pretty well done job, given the fact that it was, you know, done years later. I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, kind of take shots at The Shining because it, it is regarded as a as a, you know, 
an iconic 80s, you know, horror classic, you know, suspense, whatever you want to categorize it as. Um, so I, I don't like to take shots at it as personal preference. Um, you know, obviously, I think the book is much better, especially in the way that it ends as opposed to the movie. Um, but, you know, I think the the creative control and like you said, it's it's very, very hard to keep, you know, fidelity between the book and the movie as far as, you know, like we said, there's, you know, you have an almost seemingly infinite number of pages to build a world. And when you go over to the, you know, movie side, it's it's confined into, you know, two to two and a half hours and it's impossible to get all of that, you know, juicy stuff into the book, into the movie, um, to, so to speak. So I really, really think that as far as the, you know, as um, movies and TV shows continue to develop and you continue to see these, you know, big projects, uh, you know, develop to see how well that now that there's more resources on the movie and film side, as far as creating these vast worlds to see if that improves between the fidelity between movies and books. I think it will, but it also depends on how the book arrives. I mean, that is really what's key. I think a lot of people don't realize is that, um, and this is something to be aware of because we actually had one of our authors ran into this is um, a production company wanted to option their book. And when I said, um, but that production company just did another very high fantasy series that is out right now. Um, I can guarantee you they're not wanting to make yours and that other one. They're wanting to option your book so they can shelve it so that that series doesn't get made at yeah. least right now, you know? So I always think, you know, it's, is it that did the person find your book and fall in love with it and want to make it into a movie or did somebody very low on the totem pole go, Hey, have you ever read this book? Blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes over the screenwriter is if you're lucky reads the back cover matter and that's it. And doesn't yeah. actually read the book. Sure. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that, but you can see that in movies where you go, Oh, they only read the back cover of the book. Like they didn't actually <laughs> yeah. read the entire book. And you can tell that by how that goes, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like definitely the movie goes, you go, huh, they just got this name. Oh, they named the character. They have no idea what it looks like. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Like there's no <laughs> shining in the shining movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. I but mean, it's just course- a separate entity. I did watch Dr. Sleep, and for the record, I know this is terrible because J.M. here is huge. Um, Stephen King did her dissertation on the stand, whatever. Published book, fine. I bought that. I'm supportive. I'm a friend. Didn't read it, but I bought it. Um, uh, It's a dissertation. Um, But I will say, I was watching Dr. Sleep with another friend, and I'm like, why does this seem like a Stephen King thing? Like, I didn't even get that it was yeah, Stephen yeah. King. That's how bad this was. I'm like, this yeah. seems like a Stephen King book. And my friend turned <laughs> and looked at me and she's like, this is a sequel to The Shining. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. What is this whole thing? And she's like, that's The Shining. And I was like, well, that wasn't in the first movie. Like, <laughs> or this the second first movie. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, and this is from, not that there's anything wrong with Stephen King. I was a big fan of it and stuff like that. I haven't read it. I'm quite 
sure, close to either one of you two human beings. I'm, I have no doubt. But I thought that was very interesting because even I was like, oh, so like these, oh, that's what they're shining. Okay, cool. Now I got it. Now I got it. <laughs> um, so is this, you have five or six books or you know, 20 or 30, depending on how popular this gets and how deep down the rabbit hole of your world you go. Are there any other things you want to write? Like any I other do, book ideas? Yeah, so I do have uh, about four to five screenplays aside from um, everything I worked on over the years, different ideas. Um, basically, almost, you know, fully completed screenplays that I would have an interest in potentially exploring. Um, time management's a key thing. It, I only have so much time um, in the day, month, year to, you know, focus on one thing and then kind of, you know, shift gears to something totally different. It's just with this project specifically, I can't afford to go on to a totally separate project because it requires so much brain power and, and focus to actually stay within the world that I'm writing for me to go off and work on a totally different project. I mean, it, it's, it would just kind of derail exactly where I am at the moment. And I mean, when I sit down and write, I have to take about 30 to 45 minutes just to immerse myself in, in the world. Otherwise I will not be able to get going and actually, and, and write and I'll just sit there and spin the rubber a little bit. Well, it seems like you write pretty fast though. Once you get past that 30, 45 minutes. Once I get started, I can't stop. Wow. Like, it's 2 a.m. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> One Your more characters <laughs> talk to you. I'm just curious. Yes. If you're, they do? Do they talk to you yeah. all the time? Yeah, I try. <laughs> Luckily, I, I, I'm so busy throughout the day that it, it's not it's not as bad. But sometimes if I'm uh, if when I have free time on the weekends, I find myself uh, that to be an increasing thing. <laughs> where if I have any sort of downtime, I find myself uh, where my characters are talking to me or I'm talking back to them. Are you, do, do you keep track of that? Go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, do they listen to you? Like, you're like, this is what the book is about. This is the story. And they're like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, so my, my the, the protagonist of the novel is uh, exceptionally headstrong and defiant even. And that's it. That's actually like a perfect example where I want to take the story in one direction and like, I get pushed back. And it's like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. And I'm envisioning like the, like having to sit down with him as I'm writing the story and explaining like, no, 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 this is going to work out. I promise. No, I think there is a lot of, uh, a lot of writers that we talk to that have that situation where their characters are sort of people in their world that do that. Yeah. Do you, how do you keep track of when they're talking to you and where you have a great scene or something like that? Do you use voice memos? Do you, how, do you have an epic amount of text to yourself? What do you do to keep track of Yeah, so I have, I have uh, notes for when I'm on the go, notes in my phone that I very, very accurately keep track of. Um, anytime I'm driving on my hour commute, um, I actually, the, the playlists that I listen to when I write, I play that on my ride to work. And more often than not, I'm in the middle of driving and I'm like, oh, I got, I got to write this down. I got to write this down. <laughs> so much so that in the past year, the amount of times I pulled to the side of the road to actually quickly jot it down in my notes is staggering because 
if I if I come up with this idea or this scene that I see it so freshly in my head, I have to get it down in my notes. Otherwise, so you I'll need to download it. Otter. It's an app, and it's a voice recognition app that will email you whatever you write and say. And it Done is, um, yeah, Charles Gannon <laughs> introduced us to that, and it's literally one of the most brilliant things ever. Way better than Dragon, naturally speaking. It uses. However, it uses what your phone, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but you can hit the Otter app and just talk and then I'll email it to you. So you don't even yeah. have to stop driving. You can just be like, I'm going to go. do that. Yeah. One of our friends wrote, she's on a six hour drive and she yeah. wrote a ridiculous amount by just <laughs> talking through the, I mean, she had to clean it up because it was six hours of her that. And then every now and then there would sure. be a little yelling at a driver or whatever. I think she even <laughs> left it on when she ordered food. Like it was a thing, but she got so much down from just telling the story as she was driving. And yeah. I think it's, uh, it's a very useful tool for authors out there. Okay, Jen, I'm going to give you the final question before we have to wrap up this epic episode. Oh, so I, can I ask what's on your playlist? What kind of music do you listen to? Oh, so the, <laughs> these are only movie or TV scores or soundtracks. There's no no dialogue. Oh, um, no it words. Is, yeah, no words. Uh, I, when I'm writing, it's exceptionally helpful because if, I, if I'm listening to music that has words and I start singing it and then I get sidetracked and then next thing you know, I'd, I, get, I get completely distracted by the song and then I forget what I'm in. Uh, the scene that I'm in. So no words. Um, I have Hans Zimmer, uh, who is my personal favorite. If there, I will shout him out shamelessly. If my book ever became a movie, I want him to score my movie. Yes. <laughs> um, I have Raman Dawadi, who also does, you know, Game of Thrones. Uh, John Williams, I'll throw in for the Star Wars plug as well. Uh, those are my really top three uh, that I have rotating on those soundtracks. I know. Well, YouTube okay. has like epic mu music, uh, movie music, and it's always got yeah. Gladiator on there somewhere in the middle. But fantastic yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what Jen puts on. She puts on epic movie music or epic adventuring music, and same thing. Yeah, it just plays it. <laughs> I put on Celtic music. Oh. It's weird. I I write horrible, gruesome death scenes, and I'm listening to little flutes and fairies. <laughs> just. <laughs> finding my Zen place on that. Well, Jay, you have been so much fun to have on this podcast. Thank you so much for being on here with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. It's shameless self-promotion time though. So now you need to talk about your book, where they can get it and where they can find you on social media. Yep. So uh, the my book is The Unifier by Jay Thomas. Um, it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, and Walmart. Uh, you can follow me on social media, the J Thomas uh, with two S's. Um, that's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on there. Very cool. And the next one is called? Uh, it's going to be the unifier. And then the tagline under it is uh, Charon, C-H-A-R-O-N, uh, which if you're familiar <laughs> with uh, Greek mythology, he is the ferryman to the underworld. I am very familiar with that. I wrote a story. Yes. It doesn't end well, but it's fine. It's, <laughs> a story. it's not supposed to. I think that is brilliant. So it was very awesome having you. Thank you so much. 
Everybody, like, subscribe, review, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear it. Um, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing J.M. Paquette. Our guest has been Jay Thomas, and we will see you guys next time. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.